1: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast, with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast, where we talk all things MLS, U.S. soccer, in just the world of soccer all around us. uh, We have a really awesome episode in store this week talking all things MLS Cup playoffs and some North Americans abroad in Europe. So we have a really exciting episode to get into. Um, But before we get into our usual talking of all things soccer, I wanted to check in on Josh and Connor. So Connor, how was your week?
1: It was decent. Uh, We're getting into... This is my final week of classes. Uh, So today was technically the end of week 11 and we have 12 weeks so tomorrow is the start of my 12th week because we started um I, on the tuesday i think because of labor day I'm not really sure i can't remember that was too long ago but uh yeah so i got a week left of classes but that means all of my assignments are due so uh it's getting those done and trying to get that done on time Uh, But it's the last day in November, so I'm looking forward to shaving my pathetic excuse of a mustache, which nobody can see, um, because it's incredibly annoying. Uh, But if anybody else stuck it out, well done, congratulations. Um, But yeah, we're getting four to six centimeters of snow tonight in uh, Toronto, so winter is coming, as they say. Uh, But Josh, I hear you're getting some flurries. So how are you doing? Are you... freezing to death or are you used to this snow? Used to the snow. Not even in the slightest, <laughs> man. You have no idea how much
2: I've been looking out my window into the street light just to see the tiniest flakes ever coming down into the light. <laughs> like we, we're we're excited about this flurries that are happening. Yeah, no, it's it's like getting super cold right now. I think tomorrow the high is supposed to be like 40 degrees, which is pretty brutal for us about this time of year it usually doesn't get this bad until uh, about the turn of the new year so we we play pickup soccer on tuesday nights myself and I a group of friends so tomorrow night's probably going to be freezing cold i'm hope i'm hoping no one chickens out because of the cold and and we still have a, a decent amount of people playing but uh no my my week has been pretty good um the latest mandalorian episode was fantastic drew are you still keeping up with the show
0: i am not i totally forgot about that wow i'm the worst
2: man the, the worst.
1: this is the third <laughs> it's not like you have anything to worry about right going on right. yeah right no now. i'm so like there's you guys are fine. like exam season <laughs> you guys are busy with school and i'm i'm sitting here listening
2: to you guys like you know you're you're going through the thick of it and I'm, I'm like yeah you know i i can wake up whenever i want like i just kind of do a do bunch of reading and i mean i spend about a decent amount of time job hunting but i'm not working as hard as you guys are right now but anyway the the mandalorian is fantastic right now this is the third week in a row that i have watched an episode and thought to myself man it can't get better than last week and then it does so it is it is a fantastic run going on keeps getting better and better somehow so that's exciting it's probably one of the the better things happening and uh my thanksgiving was good Spent it with my immediate my family. family. Yes, yeah, you know, that happened for us. Unfortunately, my family and myself we, we tortured ourselves by watching um, the NFC East play and the Lions and Texans, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get to watch the Raven Steelers because the NFL doesn't know what it's doing anymore. It feels like, and that game has been moved around so many times, but. Yeah, that was. Yeah, they got pushed to Wednesday today, didn't they? It? Yep, it's going to be Wednesday in the afternoon, going up against Champions League. So I'm going to be watching Champions League and NFL football at the same time, which is freaking weird. <laughs> so that'll be fun. But uh, but Drew, how was how was your week? How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was good. Yeah, my Thanksgiving was good. We watched the NFC East as usual, but kind of a fun positive twist is that Deshaun Watson is from my hometown. So we're kind of all miniature Texans fans. So it was good to see him tear up the Lions. But I kind of like the Lions, too. But that was cool. Um, Speaking of NFL, I got to watch the Falcons pull one out against Vegas. That was honestly the most fun I think I've had watching the Falcons. Like six turnovers or something like that. So that was good. Um, Watched the U.S. women's national team win again. Beat the Netherlands 2-0. Got to see... Rose Lavelle score a banger, and then Christy Mewis got a second goal. It was like her first call-up in like six years or something like that. So good to see them back in action, getting wins. Um, School's going. I have a couple weeks left. We're all online now, so the days of going on campus are over. Um, But besides that, hanging out, watching some MLS. watch a lot of basketball this week. I think college basketball came back last week on Wednesday. It did? And then NBA. Yeah, in college basketball. uh, Kentucky got upset. uh, Virginia got upset.
1: I did not hear anything about this at all. Yeah. And I'm tuned to every sport. How did I miss this?
2: Well, obviously not.
1: Wow. Okay, you're going to attack my (laughs) sports knowledge?
0: Do you watch a lot of college basketball? I watch no college basketball,
1: but I usually know when it starts and stops and March Madness stuff. Uh, Yeah. No, because, well it's American schools, right? Yeah. So like I'm a little bit more tuned into the Canadian university scene, but even then it's not crazy. Um, but it's, yeah, nowhere near there. And I, I'm shocked. You still have two weeks left. <laughs> What's up, Josh.
2: Speaking of basketball, Hawks got Bogdan Bogdanovich. So we're going yeah. to the finals, baby.
1: Hawks are looking fantastic. I'm so excited you for right now <laughs> with 36 year old Rajon Rondo. <laughs> God, I, yeah, we've been, I guess we should, we can give a bit of an insight into what our group chat is like, cause we have a group chat dedicated just to this show on Slack. And basically I've been saying over the last probably four or five weeks, three, four or five weeks that there is no chance that Bogdanovich or Rondo will sign with the Hawks and then they both do. So yeah, I'm, my predictions are not good right now. Uh, but
2: wasn't there yeah. one more player, too? Was it was it Chris Dunn or was it Gallinari? Both what, of there them. was another player. that yeah. You, yeah there was like, you're, there, there's no way you're getting all three. And we did. We did it. Take that well, Connor. Somerville. Okay.
1: First of all, Chris Dunn is a decent pickup, but he's not that good. The Gallinari good defense, pickup, which we need. Yes, I guess you're still not better than the Raptors, but. That's beside the point. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yes, you will. Find Season out.
0: starts in like a month, right? Yeah, I set a couple up weeks,
1: December twenty second. My boys from high school and I uh, do fantasy basketball every year, and we all people always lose interest. So we're now doing a keeper league for the first time ever, and I don't know what to do for a keeper league. Um, but I was busy setting that up yesterday, uh, which I need to get on my guys because. Only five of them have joined so far. Um, But we should actually talk about soccer as opposed to whatever we've been talking about so far. Um, And I guess we can start with... cold and snow. Yeah. Let's talk about snow again. Um, (laughs) No, I guess we could talk about some cold games, I presume, uh, out in Europe. Uh, Eight Americans played in the UEFA Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, So Gino Dest scored his first ever Barcelona goal against... Dynamo Kiev Uh, I didn't see this and I didn't know this happened so why don't you two talk about it
0: (laughs) I did not see it either I just saw Twitter explode and I think Barca won four to nothing in that game if I remember correctly so I have not seen it but still nonetheless seeing an American score goal for for a you know a pretty big club like Barcelona I hear the good things from Barcelona is still good so I have not seen it but always good to hear
2: that i did catch the goal i was watching that game or might have been on during that golazo show that uh cbs has which is pretty pretty sweet um yeah so that goal was freaking awesome it wasn't maybe it was the first goal that barcelona scored i think it was the first goal of the game for them so it actually was like an important goal because for some reason they were struggling real hard against dynamo kiev and they needed that breakthrough and so they they finally got it. so that was it was fun to watch that and Conrad del Fuente, who just goes by Conrad, he made his uh, senior team debut for Barcelona, which was pretty sweet as well. seeing you know we i've I've said it a lot seeing just an American play for Barcelona is crazy. so imagine how it feels to see two Americans on the field at the same time. and then there was one point where they were passing to each other and combining up the right side of the field and it was just. It was, it was mind-boggling, and felt like Conrad was going to get a, a chance to score as well. In which case, Twitter would have been shut down for a little while, especially on the soccer side of things in America. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was it was really cool, really good for the Americans who broke their previous record of seven. Conrad helped it get up to eight, so it was big for them.
0: Yeah, and along
2: with uh, Sergio Des scoring a goal, John Brooks
0: apparently has. Two goals. I did not see this own goal that is now in the document, but I did see he scored one goal for um, Wolfsburg against Bremen on Saturday. but it was a pretty sick
2: finish. The own goal was pretty good. It would rival any of the strikers that we have right now.
0: <laughs> John Brooks is the number nine. That's the answer to all the questions we've been asking <laughs> around U.S. <good> soccer.
2: <laughs> he Move is over the Chelsea John Brooks. False nine, nah, dog. False center back. <laughs>
0: Exciting times um, from that. Um, Sticking with the U.S. soccer, the roster for an El Salvador friendly was released a couple hours ago today, I think, um, playing El Salvador in Miami in Florida somewhere in December. Um, So the roster was released for that. We had a couple big names getting into the roster. More specifically for the sake of this podcast, Io Akinola was called into the camp, although this does not tie him because it is not a competitive game. But Connor, what are your thoughts on that happening for his decision
1: call-up? <sighs> I think that about sums it up. Um, I knew it would happen eventually that he'd get called into some sort of camp with the U.S. Uh, I Just with what happened over MLS's back and Klinsman talking to him... I feel like it was sort of inevitable. Um I don't know whether or not he will actually be a US Men's National Team player. I think this sort of pushes a little bit closer to him likely playing for the US, but you do never know. Uh it could go either way, but I don't know. Like I want him to succeed uh, because he's a Toronto FC kid and he's a kid from our academy. So seeing a player like that succeed would be not only huge for toronto fc but also the canadian development system because even though he isn't playing for canada he is still playing on the world stage for a pretty good team uh so if he is successful if he does go on to being the starting striker for the us men's national team for the future good for him uh, i'm not going to be too disappointed. We've got a pretty good striker of our own in Jonathan David and a couple other guys and Cavallini. And we mentioned Kyle Lahren last episode, and he's been tearing up Turkey. So it would suck because he is young, he's good, and he has that sort of local connection. But it is understandable. And I think it would be a good fit playing for the US. But what are your guys' sort of thoughts on some of the, like, A, Iowac all, but also some of the other additions, uh, including uh, Efrain Alvarez, who is a 17-year-old being called the Mexican Messi, I believe.
2: Yes? Ooh, that's, uh, there's definitely some high expectations put on him as a kid, so I, I don't, I don't, um, I can't really argue with you on that. I personally haven't seen him called the Mexican Messi, but based on I'm uh, looking that up <laughs> No, I think, I think you're right you've, you're probably right that you've seen it somewhere it's funny you say that because Matt Doyle put out a little thing about the roster and he compared Alvarez to Freddie Adu so I don't think you're far off in, in seeing that from somewhere
1: I'm thinking of the wrong kid uh, the Mexican Messi is apparently uh, Luca Romero who plays huh. in La Liga for Mallorca that's good to know but Efren um, Alvarez is still very good yeah he's
2: he's been with the LA Galaxy and he has already played some sort of game with Mexico to the point where he's not actually allowed to play in any of these matches uh he has to file that one-time switch so I think it's just interesting that he's even in there to begin with pretty big to get him and Akinola and uh other players getting the first call-ups uh, Daryl DK Chris Miller the uh, the Orlando City guys really cool to see them up there. Uh, personally, I was a little surprised not to see a player like George Bello on there. Um, he is the to
1: Atlanta United
2: guy, correct? Yes, Atlanta United left back. He
1: is only nineteen. He he will be with them for Champions League. So I saw today. Apparently, Atlanta United do not release players. It's an internal policy, except for in international windows.
2: Yeah, and this is not an international yeah. window, so that would make sense. Yeah, well, this probably goes back to Miles Robinson getting injured right before the playoffs last year when with the national team, and that in in hindsight now, that really set him back, actually, because he missed all that playing time, and it took him a long time to get fully healthy for this season, and I, I don't even want to talk about it. So <laughs> that makes sense. I don't blame them for having that internal policy. Um, and, but then I'm also interested to see what happens with – the seattle-dallas game tomorrow night because whichever team loses they're going to end up probably sending a couple players to the national team for seattle it could be jordan morris or christian Roldon, and then for dallas they've got brian reynolds Tanner Tessman, ricardo pepe a bunch of other players which real quick speaking of reynolds apparently juventus are in the process of submitting a six to seven million dollar bid and this is the guy that replaced reggie cannon so to see Cannon go off and then possibly Ryan Reynolds for like twice that and to an even bigger club is just insane and I I would be shocked if it happened just because it happens so quickly not because Brian Reynolds isn't deserving of it he's definitely he's very very good and he could be molded into a really good player but Drew what are some of your initial thoughts on the uh, the USMNT roster for El Salvador?
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned, we've talked most about what stuck out to me, Um specifically the forward position when you talk about Daryl D.K. I thought he's had a really good season. It's good to see him finally getting a nod, I think, it's his first call-up. Um, Chris Mueller the same way. Obviously, we talked about Iowa Canola. Um, yeah, just good seeing the normal some normal names that succeed in MLS that kind of consistently get called into the national team, like the Aaron Longs, um, Walker Zimmerman's back in the camp. And then you have Brendan Aronson, so that's exciting. Um, I think he – this might be – it's one of his earlier call-ups. I don't think he's been called in very much. So good to see that Um, Bill Hamid is back in there. Um, the goalkeeper position is really interesting because out of the three, two of them, this is their first call-up with uh, C.J. Dos Santos and David Ochoa from RSL. So, But my main attention was the forward position because, obviously, Iowa Canola is going to steal the headlines given the toss-up that he can have. But specifically, I was excited to see Daryl DK get called in because – He's been taking a lot of headlines, deservedly so, because he's been playing really well as of late.
1: My, I have a question, because, and speaking of strikers, this is a good connection to it. Do you even think Ayla Canola will play in this match?
2: I, I think he'll definitely play, just because it's only him and DK listed on the roster. Now, I do think he'll eventually end up playing for Canada. I don't think he'll choose the U.S. in the long run just because he's got deeper roots. And we have to remember that Canada's not playing. They just didn't schedule a friendly. They haven't played international soccer since the spring, or since January, really. So that's probably a huge factor in this as well. But I do think Akinola will see at least some time
1: on the field. Well, one of the reasons I asked that is Chris Mueller was also called up, right? And I believe he is a striker. Yes? he. He's more of a winger,
2: more of a winger or a midfielder. So I don't okay. I don't think they'll use him in that spot.
1: Okay. And obviously they can't use Efren Alvarez because of his international issues. Um Huh. It's also interesting they called up Paul Ariola after he's initially immediately coming off that injury. Is that too yeah, risky? He...
2: Personally, I don't think so. I, I don't even know if he'll end up playing. I think one of the main reasons you invite a guy like Paul Ariola is so that you have some veterans in there, someone who's already played a bunch, and played a bunch under Berhalter too. It's the same reason you invite guys like Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long and Sebastian Legette, who was the only one of this bunch to play against Wales and Panama in Europe. So you bring them in for consistency.
1: Hmm. It's a very interesting roster. And another, I think, notable addition who I don't think we've mentioned yet is Brandon Aronson. He finally got called up. Uh, He's on the roster. So it's a very, very young U.S. Men's national team. I think the average age is like 22, which that's very young, especially when you consider that a lot of the good young Americans are currently over in Europe. Uh, And they've found this sort of talent In MLS, which is a really good sign. Um, But I think we should move to another international, but not affiliated with MLS specifically. Uh, Last week, uh, I'm blanking on the date. I believe it was Tuesday uh, or it might have been Wednesday. Uh, Diego Maradona passed away from a heart attack. Um, He'd suffered a blood clot on his brain in early November and had surgery to remove it. And then this past week, uh, suffered the heart attack and passed away. The Argentinian police are currently investigating, uh, I believe the doctor who treated him for potential manslaughter, uh, which was surprising to me, but yeah, it's, I think it's just a sad situation. Uh, he was a very polarizing person, uh, as a person, but he was a very, very talented player. So I wanted to get sort of your thoughts on his passing and sort of what he meant to the entire soccer community.
0: Yeah, it's hard to put into words, right, what he meant to the soccer community. And it's interesting given how young we are, because I don't, I never watched him play. I like watched highlight videos when I was first getting into the game, because my first ever soccer jersey actually was an Argentina national team jersey. So it was the 2010 World Cup, and I was, like, doing research on Argentina, like, national team in history, and you don't have to go very far when looking at Argentina to figure out who Diego Maradona is. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was obviously a huge loss for the soccer community, one of the best ever to do it. Um, Yeah, it's, like, it's weird because he, yeah, we never got to watch him play, so it didn't mean a whole lot to our generation as much as some of the previous generations obviously the history of argentina um so it was a big deal it was like it was cool seeing because right the boca and river rivalry is so big and you had like boca and river fans like coming together over this which is so cool to me like seeing these domestic rivalries kind of disappear when like these international legends or international games happen so I mean, there's not a whole lot more to be said. He's one of the greatest to ever do it and meant a lot to the soccer world. Um, it's definitely a sad day when he passed away, for sure.
2: Yeah, I don't have too much to add, you know, with Drew. He didn't totally, you know, he didn't really impact our generation. We unfortunately kind of missed him in all the, the great things he did on the field. I did watch, uh, there's a really great documentary on him. On, it's on HBO. I wanted to see it last Last fall when it came out, like last October. But I uh, didn't <clears throat> didn't have access to HBO until this spring, and that was like the first thing I watched once I got the um once I got the subscription back. But I mean just to talk about how much he impacted everything, I mean I played pickup on Saturday morning with a a group predominantly of, of South Americans, and we had a little moment of silence before we kicked the ball. Like it's like that big a deal that we we just stood there for a second and thought about it and then we got going with our game so it's just crazy to see the impact and it's been really cool to see all the tributes to him you know there's the clip of the book players last night um clapping towards his daughter up in diego's press box and then there was the flares in naples before napoli's europa league game on thursday it was super beautiful and then obviously there's Messi taking off his jersey and he had the Newell's old old boys jersey underneath that maradona war so a lot of cool tributes and you can just tell how much of an impact this guy had and uh, i mean he deserves it what he did on the field what he did with a, a soccer ball at his feet is just i mean it's godly
1: yeah and that barcelona picture they posted on their twitter of messi's 10 overlapping with maradona's 10 like perfectly was so so good um it was just it was really unfortunate to see one of the legends pass at 60 years old, which is too young, but he's been through a lot and that was very, very evident. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much more to add. Uh, another, I guess another good tribute was the New Zealand rugby team before they faced off against the Argentinian rugby team laid uh, number 10 Argentinian shirt in front of them before they did the Haka. So He was bigger than just soccer. He was sports. Uh, If you were a sports fan, odds are you probably knew his name. But yeah, let's go from one Argentinian who played in Toronto uh, because he did play for Toronto Italia for one match. Have you read
0: um, Pablo's story about that on The Athletic? That's the
1: only reason I know about it's it. It's so it good. So Pablo's good. the man. Yes,
0: you ne- Big shout out to Pablo. You
1: need to go and read that story if you haven't. It's so good. I want to say they've now unlocked it, potentially. I can't remember. They did, it. yeah, yeah. It's free. So go and read that story. It's long, but it's very, very good. And there's some really good footage in there. Um, but from one Argentinian playing in Toronto to another Argentinian who played in Toronto Pablo Piatti and the MLS roster changes that were announced today. Uh, Piatti was, uh, which should probably give you a bit of a sense of what happened, uh, was a member of Toronto FC, was a DP, um, winger who played on the right but could also play on the left, a little old, he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his past, and today it was announced that his contract would not be renewed. Uh, or his contract option would not be picked up. Uh, I would not be shocked to see them renegotiate his contract so that he becomes a Tam player. But I believe he has to go through the MLS reentry draft. Uh, I'm not sure what sort of the rules on that are if Toronto can just sign him, but it's a very interesting decision by Toronto, uh, pushing for, in my opinion, a likely younger DP, but what were your guys' sort of thoughts on Pablo Piatti? not having his option picked up by Toronto. And do you think he will be a TFC player next season? And if you don't, will he end up in MLS next season?
2: I, I was pretty surprised by this just because it's not often anymore that you see a designated player come into a team and only play for them for one year. Now, you know, like you mentioned, it's it's possible he could come back whether on a new contract or whatever through the re-entry draft, but just in general it's just odd to see a team in this fashion you know it's not like they're selling him on after a year which you know we've seen a couple times i think with definitely some of the younger players some of the higher producing players so to me i was surprised by that i don't i i just i have a feeling that he's just going to end up in another league playing somewhere else in the world. I don't really see him playing for another MLS team. If I'm not mistaken, if a team wants to pick him up, they have to pick up his contract that's with him, in which case I'm not sure that anybody really wants to go after his DP contract. You always get, you also got to keep in mind he's been sort of injured a bunch, and that was a worry coming into the season when Toronto announced his signing. When he was, you know, 100%, he playing with Pasuelo and... Akinola or Altidore, I mean, they looked good, but it wasn't often enough, I don't think. So I understand why Toronto's going in this direction. It's just kind of surprising. Drew, what did you think?
0: Yeah, not a whole lot of thoughts. Um, Just like you said, seeing a designated player on this list was kind of shocking. I wonder, because when you talk about teams having to pick up his contract, right, is he in that range where a team could buy him down away from that designated player spot, because if they can, I think that changes a lot. It makes it a lot more likely that he'll stay in MLS. But if he's not in there yet, then I think I'm with Josh that it's pretty hard to see a team picking up that designated player spot and filling one of their positions with that with a player that gets hurt a lot. So
1: yeah, he I don't know he doesn't make very much. So I think that is a definite possibility. But I thought I came up with an idea. This is a terrible idea, but who knows? Because Vancouver have had a ton of drama today in terms of their DP situation. Uh, In specifics, they're saying that the player they're trying to sign, the issue they're having is they can't get a visa for him for 39 weeks. Like, that's the length that it's going to take? Yeah, I know. Uh, So I wonder if he could potentially be picked up by Vancouver because he is dynamic he is attacking they could use a winger you think that's a fit
0: anything try anything for Vancouver at this point (laughs) go for it
2: honestly fair I wouldn't do it if I were them just because I don't think he's consistently healthy enough and he's kind of getting up there in age but honestly Vancouver didn't did or they did it it wouldn't surprise me because this sounds like a very white caps head scratching kind of move
1: it's true Who knows? It's going to be very interesting to watch. We'll do a more in-depth look at the rosters and all that once we hit the offseason. But I guess a couple more notable names we should mention. Uh, Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, I'm not sure what his exact contract situation was, but he's not returning. Uh, Bojan is apparently not returning to Montreal. So what do you guys think about those two subtractions um, by I I can't remember who Rossi plays for, um, but by Montreal.
2: He played for RSL.
1: Uh, RSL. Right, right, right. I remember seeing that now. Yeah. So what do you think about the subtractions of Rossi and Bojan from RSL in Montreal? Good, bad, terrible, amazing? Eh.
2: I am glad that Montreal's finally moving on from Bojan because dude's not that good Uh, I mean he he provided us the occasional banger which was very nice of him but overall not very good definitely don't think it would have made sense to keep him around for Terry Henry whatever plans he's got for the team Uh, and then Giuseppe Rossi also kind of an older older player seemed kind of like RSL was just kind of taking a chance on him for the year maybe he comes back maybe he plays somewhere else for like a really low contract but His was not so surprising, and I guess Lyons is not really surprising either, but I'm just glad Montreal is, like, cutting ties. Like, good for them.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see what Montreal does this offseason, and what RSL does for that matter, uh, with all of the problems that they're currently dealing with, and we won't get into that today. Um, But... Yeah, they're gonna. Both teams are gonna have very interesting off seasons as Thierry Henry tries to work his team, and RSL try to get sold. I guess is a good way of putting it. But uh, other notable names, specifically from the Galaxy, because they needed, they just need a complete roster remake. Uh, Kyle Beckerman, David Bingham, Jonathan Klinsman are all out of contract, but. Oh, Kyle Beckerman's on RSL. Dude, when did that are happen? Are even an
2: MLS fan? What? What do you mean? When did that happen? He's only ever played for RSL.
0: I was, I Ryan's was like, what? Team, I missed a bro. massive
2: transfer.
1: Galaxy. Who did Galaxy have? The guy with the dreads.
2: Jermaine Jones.
1: Maybe that's who I was thinking of. I swear it was Beckerman. Played for. Uh, Galaxy. No, no,
2: that's David Beckham. Come oh, on, shut Connor. up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Confusing Kyle Beckham with David Beckham is a new Connor highlight of this podcast.
1: Yeah. I don't think it was Jermaine Jones. No, it wasn't. He had, like, crazy dreads. Like, really, really long dreads as a white guy. Oh, my God. He was a midfielder, defensive midfielder. Who am I thinking of?
2: I apologize. Kyle Beckerman also played for the Colorado Rapids from 2002 to 2007. And that before is that, of. I swear Mi- he
1: played for the Galaxy. The Miami,
2: no, he didn't. And before that, the Miami Fusion. Kyle Beckerman played for the Miami Fusion in 2000 and 2001.
1: Man, he's old.
2: Random fun fact about
0: North American soccer. When we were talking about Maradona's made me think of it. Did you guys know Johan Cru- Cruyff? Yeah, played in Los Angeles for a little bit. No, no, no. He played for the Washington Diplomats. He played for like um he probably played for both. He played for like the LA Aztecs and then ASL in like the seventies.
2: Really? I didn't know yeah. about that. I knew he played in Washington. I know George Best played in San Diego or in California. Stuff. One of those. Oh, yeah, and then obviously Pele with Cosmos is probably the most famous example. Yeah, man, it's weird. I think like
1: Maldini played for Montreal like early to twenty tens. I think it was oh, Maldini. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. It's we don't realize how many legends actually played in North America. It's not like we've gotten to see so many players, although granted Pele was a little bit before our time, uh, same with Maradona and honestly Cruyff in a way for Drew and I, uh, Josh maybe bro. No, 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 no.
2: (laughs) He was way before my time. He was coaching Barcelona. Like when I was being born, which means he is, been playing in the u.s like
1: years before
2: that i'm not that old man come on
1: all right you claim that but i still think you're hiding the fact that you're like 35 and pretending like you're 25 on this podcast Uh,
2: no if i was 35 (laughs) then i would be able to remember the braves first world series and i definitely don't remember that
1: uh that's a good point well after that fiasco of me thinking kyle beckerman played for the galaxy because i swear he did but I guess I'm wrong. Um, David Bingham, who is their keeper, I know that. uh, He's still in contract (laughs) negotiations, as well as Jonathan Klinsman. So we'll see what they do this offseason, because they need a whole lot of work, and Christian Bavon's loan is coming up. And without him, they're in even more trouble than they already are. Uh, But... Yeah. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about in terms of the Galaxy and Kyle Beckerman, 38-year-old Kyle Beckerman, as I'm now aware, leaving RSL? Or do we just want to move on to the Toronto subtractions? Because there were some... There could be some fairly notable subtractions in Justin Morrow, Laurent Simon, and Eric Zavaleta are all out of contract at the end of the year. That is three of Toronto's Eight main backline pieces. I think Toronto is going to completely redesign their backline this offseason. What do you guys think? Do you think Toronto should bring back any of Simon, Zavalletta, or Morrow? And if they do bring one of them back, or multiple of them back, who do they bring back?
0: Um, oh, man, I'm not sure what my answer is on the who do they bring back, but just from hearing Connor's rants about Toronto <laughs> FC and watching and listening to his complaints about the backline. I don't
1: know to if I'm a good the FC line, fans, but I, I'll, I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah, I feel like a lot of the complaints around TFC is the backline. Um, it's weird to see Laurent Simon on this list because I remember – He was pretty good with LAFC, and then I think he went to Montreal before coming to Toronto. Other way around.
1: He was very good on Montreal. Montreal. He was average at best at LAFC, and then he went to Belgium to, I believe... Oh, it was Belgium or France. I want to say it might have been Antwerp, but I can't It was Belgium. No, it was France. It was France. France. Dijon. Dijon, right. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, he went to France for, like, six months before he came back to Toronto. Um, And i don't think he'll play anywhere but canada from the sounds of it
2: yeah he has a son that or daughter that requires extra medical attention and so obviously with the healthcare being better north of the border he enjoyed his time in canada it was more important for his family and that is why he also went to france as well so
1: i wonder if he's a future cpl player
0: that might be an option because i mean if he's Unless he goes to Vancouver, he can make the trifecta. Is that really an
1: improvement I'm... on the CPL, though?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> Roasted, <laughs> dang. <laughs>
1: uh, I love having fun with Vancouver because they know they suck, too. Uh, yeah, they're going to have a very interesting off season. It's going to be interesting for Toronto, but Drew, you didn't really give your thoughts on what you think is going to happen. Uh, so,
0: I mean... I think, again, just from hearing you talk about the back line and complaining about the defense all the time on this podcast, I feel like a complete overhaul might, not complete overhaul, but definitely some changes need to be made. I mean, this is it's one of the best teams in the league, and we'll talk about more why their season is now over in a minute. But, I mean, really, that's the only thing I can think of is improving that back line and maybe not completely overhauling the whole thing. Again, I have no idea who you bring back out of this group. But I I could see I mean two, maybe even all three not playing for Toronto anymore because again, I feel like that's the one weak link with TFC as their defense. So I I could see all three of them going away as Connor is doing. Really I almost weird had a heart attack really I scared. almost
1: had a heart attack because I thought you were gonna say come back to Toronto.
0: <laughs> oh, no, 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 oh I should have pulled a fast one on you. Yeah, they're all coming Ugh. back. TFC's not going anywhere. No, I don't I think maybe all three go away, but I think we'll see some changes in TFC's defense for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point of view. Uh, Josh, I'll let you say what you think before I go uh, because I have a take that I think will unfortunately probably happen. Um, but what do you think Toronto should do? Should they keep one of them, three of them, two of them? Um, what is better for my physical and mental health? Uh, Keep that in mind. But what do you think in terms of who Toronto should bring back in terms of potential starting or bench player?
2: Uh, For me personally, from what I know and from what I've seen for these three players, I would bring back Justin Morrow. It sounds like he's important for them leadership-wise. And maybe bring him back in a depth role because you had to go out and get uh, Gallagher, whose loan expired. So definitely it sounds like they're already looking to get younger um, and and improved at that right back position. And then don't bring back Simon whatsoever. He has not, at least from what I've seen, he hasn't been one bit good for them since he showed up, including that first Champions League game last year. And then I don't know too much about Zavaleta. If I remember correctly, it sounded like he was having a decent year for them this year. But again, it's kind of one of those older players. So maybe you bring him back in depth as well if you have the space for it. But of the three, if I had to bring one of them back, I'd definitely bring back uh, Justin Morrow.
1: I don't actually think Zadaleta is that old. He isn't. He's only 28. Well, he 28. is not. Yeah. yeah, well, he's not that important then for them. He is not. Right. He is also okay. Greg Vanny's nephew. So Ooh. there is that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think
2: he married. he played for Chivas USA. That sucks. <laughs> Uh, poor
1: Eric. Poor he guy. was okay. So the Eric Zeville is an interesting case study. He's terrible at everything that isn't one-on-one defending. Is sort of what it comes down to. Uh, so he was having a. He wasn't terrible this season, but he's also making like two hundred grand, which that's a lot of money for a guy who plays maybe a hundred minutes a season. Uh, Potentially as much as 500 if there's a lot of injuries. But I would be open. I think they should bring back Justin Morrow because as you said, I think he's a very, very good person. I think he's a great leadership option and having that connection to the Black Players Coalition, I think is huge um, because that'll be really big in terms of Toronto's uh, push for diversity and equality and uh, their social justice sort of movement. And I think he's going to be really big in that. Uh, I also think he could potentially be a good coach in the future or a good member of the organization in some sort of leadership role on the equality side, uh, diversity side of things. Seymour, I would be open to bringing him back if you were paying him the veteran minimum, uh, which is like nothing. But that's only because he's a good veteran presence and he could theoretically fill in. I still maintain that he's a defensive midfielder and not a central defender. Um, So if they're willing to try that, why not? Uh, Zavaleta again he's got to come in way cheaper which I don't think he will because I think he could probably get signed by another MLS team for a decent chunk of money Uh, but again it's going to be very interesting to see what Toronto decides to do because they've got a lot of moves to make and in my opinion should be selling Josie Altidore but we will discuss that after or maybe during our discussion on do we have to talk about this because i'd rather not yes because yes. i
2: predicted it right yeah I props to drew man he freaking got this which is really impressive even if it is kind of a blind shot in the dark
1: we <laughs> shooting from the hip
2: yeah no for real which i mean hey that's about as good as you can get the when shot it comes to MLS. That's all yeah matters, right? there you go he, he did it man he did the damn thing
1: well, I think we need to fire through these games because we're 42 minutes into the podcast already and we haven't even hit the middle of it. Um, and we have a lot of games to discuss. But Toronto, Nashville. Nashville won one nothing in extra time. Oh, God. Okay, I'll let you two talk first before I go. So who wants to go first and make fun of me? Uh, Drew, you do. Uh, have fun.
0: <laughs> um. I guess the one thing I would say it should have been so much worse than one to nothing I thought no. watching that game I thought Nashville constantly missing these chances like this is going to come back and bite them they're going to lose one to nothing they're going to rue these chances that they missed having what three goals called offside two goals which goals I thought all two th- goals two goals
1: they had three goals. three balls end up in the back of the net only one of them counted
0: so I thought I mean between like these goals getting called offside all these chances they're missing I think it was Alex Muehl. Miss an absolute wide open header. I thought that's it. There's no way they're winning. But credit to Nashville, they totally dominated the game. I don't think one nothing was the deserved scoreline. I thought it should have been like 3 nothing Nashville. Um, so yeah, credit to Nashville. I mean, again, we've talked about them a lot as they've kind of risen and gotten better as the year has gone on, I feel like, that they're building their expansion team in a very different way than a lot of successful expansion teams have done as as far as as of late goes with the LAFCs, Atlanta United spending a lot of money, getting attacking minded players. Nashville's not doing that. They got Walker Zimmerman, which was like the biggest name I remember getting ready for this year, and he's a relatively old center back. And look at him, they had a really a really good run in the last couple. Dax McCarty so.
1: is insulted
0: again. Like those are the big <laughs> signings, right? They're not signing you know <laughs> Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi's Almirons, Martinez. They're signing Dax McCarty and Walker Zimmerman. And it's work. It worked better in their expansion year. And given all the crap they've gone through this, like, Matt oh, shoot, my phone fell. Man, that's the worst. Matt Doyle had a funny tweet about it. Like, can we legitimately give them credit for like one of the best expansion teams ever, given the craziness they've gone through? Because I think they're up there. I think we have to give them credit.
2: I, I think they're third. They're the third best of all time. I, we should save that topic for later since we'll be talking about another one of those games since they've played twice since we we did the podcast but definitely not far off with that sentiment
1: i can tell you with absolute certainty toronto is not in that conversation no they're not they're they're second they from the bottom
0: hot take the 20 it's probably not a hot take the 100%. 2017 toronto team is like the best team in mls history so Toronto, toronto's in there but not an expansion
1: Josh, what are your thoughts on this game? Are you going to make me cry, or am I just going to cry myself to sleep tonight because it is so painful?
2: No, I mean I don't, I, I don't know what happened with Toronto. Just from watching the game, I, I didn't really understand. You know, I, I like you guys. You know, as Nashville kept missing chance after chance, I was like, ooh, they're like this is totally going to come back to bite them. Like Toronto has the players to do this. They've got the big names, but it's funny as I as I was watching this game. And chance after chance was missed on both sides, really. And it stayed nil-nil for so long. I started to think it just started to remind me of the Atlanta Columbus playoff game, um, which drew I'm assuming you watched. But it just reminded me so much of that. It was horrible. Well, it was a fun game, though. That's I I say that's the most fun nil-nil game I've ever seen in my life, because it was back and forth like every chance felt like. It was excruciating in some ways, for sure. But I could totally relate to any Nashville fans that were watching through that and just kind of like pulling their hair out. I mean, I was, I found myself cheering madly for Nashville every chance they missed. I was like, no. So good for them to come through with the win, though. Super cool for them to not only win one playoff game, but to win another and to do it against a team like Toronto, whose pedigree in the postseason is immense. So. Hats off to Nashville, fantastic, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them. But, Connor, you know, get into your Toronto stuff. You did throw in just now a couple of interesting um, couple, couple interesting Toronto tidbits, one that I knew about, another that I didn't. So talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so I don't know which one you're referring to that you knew about and which one you didn't, but...
2: The Pasuelo I knew that Josie I didn't.
1: Ah, uh, okay, yes. So I'm not actually that angry, surprisingly. Like, obviously I'm disappointed, but... That was one of the worst games I've seen them play in a long time. They were just terrible. They were so slow. There was no energy in the attack. Uh, Josie, did he even play? I can't remember. Um, (laughs) Which, you know, that's sort of been a theme for him this season. Um, Io had a couple good chances. He almost capitalized on one of them. uh, On a nice sort of backheel flick thing. Uh, Pozzuolo was sort of uninvolved, but... He said in his postseason presser, which we'll talk about the presser a little bit more in a second. Um, but Poswillo, he's been dealing with an injury for the last three games of the season, and obviously, I assume this carries over to the last playoff game. that uh, was some sort of leg injury, and he can't run or is very isn't very quick as is. So, adding an injury on top of that, the fact that he wasn't just walking around is shocking. Um, but yeah, like it was just not a very good game honestly and they just didn't play very well uh granted they were missing Delgado and they're missing Moro, which those were two big players to be missing and it just shows how important Marky Delgado is to this team even though people don't like to give him credit uh when Delgado plays well Toronto plays well um but that's sort of what I have to add on terms of the game what I wanted to get into especially with you guys to get your sort of thoughts on this because I'm not a fan Or I, well, I'm not a fan, first of all. Second of all, I'm not surprised. Because I don't see this as that shocking. But of the postseason press conferences, Josie Altador didn't speak. Didn't do any interviews. Just sort of disappeared. Pablo Piatti didn't speak as well, which, granted, he was leaving. uh, So there wasn't really a need to speak. For him to speak but most of the other main players that I can think of spoke Uh, I'll have to look to see who exactly didn't speak but the most notable name for me was Josie so do you guys think that this is a sign of things to come do you think this is a sign that he's potentially on his way out the door maybe maybe he wants out what do you think we could take away from the fact that he didn't speak at the press conference
2: I don't think you should take anything away from it. Uh, he sort of, I, I, I don't know for sure because you know I don't really know him that well, but I think he comes from a place of passion where he just, he just gets upset and then just doesn't feel like talking to the media because this isn't the first time this has happened. It's been a couple times now, or there have been times when he does speak and he says the wrong things and gets fined or whatever. So, to me, it's not really that big a deal. I don't think he will leave or anything like that. I don't think Toronto will look to get rid of him. I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they did get rid of him just because of his age and the contract he carries and all that nonsense. But in terms of this press conference, to me, it's just not a big deal. It's just Josie being Josie.
1: And true. what do you think?
2: Yeah, not a whole lot
0: to add from what Josh said. Um, again, I don't really know Josie a whole lot, probably as well as you do Connor. I mean, from the men's national team, he kind of feels like, like Josh said, this guy that, just really cares about what he's doing and doesn't really care about the media and talking about talking that much. I can't even imagine what it's like having to talk to media after your season ends. So I, I'm not taking anything away from it. I think, yeah, I think it's just an athlete and a guy who really likes what he's doing, cares about his team, cares a lot about the game, just not being in the mood to talk. So I'm, I wouldn't take a whole lot out from it.
1: It's interesting because I'm of the opinion that Toronto should should try to offload him this off season. I think I should just get rid of him. Uh, I don't think he's good enough anymore, personally. Like, this season sort of has proven it, and if we got 30 minutes out of him, it was a success. And you can't have that on one of your DPs who is being paid a boatload of cash. But it will be very interesting to see what happens this off season. Um... However, I think we should move on because we do have a lot of games to cover and I have to do work after this. Um, But Philadelphia, New England, Philadelphia were just destroyed is probably the best way of putting it. New England dominated. Simple as that. Josh almost had a heart attack because Buxa scored a goal right at the very beginning of the match and unfortunately couldn't get two more. uh, Which Never in doubt never worried how nervous were you when he scored be honest N-
2: i saw that he scored the goal and i was like oh that's kind of weird and then i was like nah there's no way he's getting two more and i turned out to hey i made that bet in confidence that <laughs> adam books wouldn't score a hat trick and he didn't so
1: what's the bet gonna be this week no
2: <laughs> no nah, nah, i'm not i'm not trying that again i'm not doing that again <laughs> you don't not need- not after watching <laughs> not after watching new england beat philadelphia and nashville beat toronto like i'm not i'm not messing with this anymore
1: oh, man i wanted to see you with a hat though that would have been so funny would have been our first video podcast and it would have been great um but
2: hey, you can write a can write a strongly worded um complaint to adam buksa <laughs> for not being a designated player that, like he's paid
1: wow okay um what are your guys thoughts on this game uh, I probably won't speak because we do have to go pretty quick.
0: <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot. I think my only takeaway, which we'll talk more about New England as we talk about more about the games, but it feels like their big playmakers are finally showing up when it really counts. Um, I think in that 2 nothing game against Philadelphia, Carly's Heel got both assists on those goals. I'm um, going to get Adam Bukta got one goal, which we've talked a lot about how he hasn't lived up to the hype, but maybe he's making a turnaround, and maybe this is the preview of... I don't know, maybe a couple more goals in the playoffs. Um, I don't think we're going to be having any Josh eating hat tricks upcoming soon. But, I mean, if he just comes up a little bit in these playoffs, right, it just takes one goal. If he scores one goal to win MLS Cup, I think all of these – all it goes away, right? That's the beauty of the playoffs. It takes one moment in the biggest stage, and maybe he's going to do it. But, again, to me, the biggest takeaway is that New England's playmakers are finally showing up. Um, But, yeah, New England, like you said, dominated Philadelphia. I don't think anyone in our bracket group got that one right. Um, I was riding high after getting the Nashville pick right, and I changed the channel. It was 2 nothing New England. I was like, oh, well, you can't win them <laughs> all. But, yeah, credit to New England, big players showing up when they need to. That
1: was a bit of a bracket buster.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add either, really. Uh, this is the only game I didn't see, like, any of, actually, because I was playing soccer during this. Uh, I will say, you know, bummer for philadelphia i know they were feeling pretty confident i know their fan base was obviously excited having won the supporter shield and whatnot but i mean at the end of the day new england's best players i mean they, they have those designated players for a reason and yeah buxa hasn't you know produced as much as maybe carlos heel or gustavo Bo has but he came through when they needed it and carlos heel assisted both those goals the other one coming from uh Tejong buchanan but i mean if you look at philadelphia they don't really have like Superstars. They don't. They're a great team. And they are a great combination of eleven different pieces, including some of their subs as well. So they played great team soccer and team soccer got them the supporters shield, but with the nature of MLS Cup playoffs being one game knockouts, it's just it's difficult to win unless you have those game breakers and Philadelphia just doesn't really have that. So That's a big part, I think, of why we saw New England come away with a 2-0 win and an upset.
1: All right. Uh, Let's move on to the next match then. Seattle 3 versus the LAFC's 1. What were your thoughts on this match?
2: So speaking of game breakers, that's exactly what Seattle did. They got their goals, their three goals from their best three players, Nico Ladero, Raul Ruiz, Diaz, Jordan Morris, and all three of those guys also provided an assist as well with Rui Diaz with two assists. So again, it comes down to if you've got the players or not. This game probably would have been different if LAFC had Brian Rodriguez and Diego Rossi. like you, there's no, there's no coming up with any excuses for that. That being said, that's obviously not how this turned out. Those guys picked up COVID unfortunately. During the international break, couldn't come up with the difference. And so Seattle just played him off the field. i It's insane. I don't have the stat in front of me, but Raul Ruy Diaz has like eight goals and seven assists in like 10 playoff games or something like It is an insane stat, whatever it is. So this dude lives for the playoffs. We obviously know Nico Lodero is dangerous every single second of every game. And then Jordan Morris as well. It's just another another one on top of it. So it's going to be hard to defeat Seattle if anybody's capable of doing it. But obviously those guys showed up when they were supposed to. Drew, what did you think about that game?
0: Yeah, not a whole lot that you didn't just talk about there. Their biggest players came up in the biggest moments. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Ladero's goal where Jordan Morris got the assist, but it was like, after Rui Diaz played a perfect ball across the box, the Jordan Moore. So it was like Rui Diaz got, what, two assists and, like, a hockey assist or something like that. So, like, it just shows how good of a player he is. Um, and, again, I think you've tied in really well with Gustavo Bowe and Carlos Gil. These big – that's why you pay him all the money. That's why they've won these MLS Cups. That's why – No one ever wants to play Seattle when it comes to playoffs because these players are so good and they live up to the hype when it matters most. So it's going to be really hard for Dallas to beat Seattle, which we'll talk about more. Um, But yeah, just the biggest players showed up like they always do for Seattle. And yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for them to lose to anyone at this point. What did you, did you get to catch any of it, Connor? Or what did you think about that one? This
1: is the one game I missed this week because I was editing the Staff and Graph podcast, which all of you should go check out with rachel dory and mike stevens um but <laughs> uh, that was so shameless um yeah it's the one game i didn't catch so i'm not really going to comment on it uh because i didn't see anything uh so let's move on to the orlando new england game where new england frankly dominated uh and won three to one against orlando what were your guys thoughts on this match
0: um funny stuff connor this is the one match i didn't catch at all because abc blacked out my tv nice. so the one thing I, the one thing i saw was um the, the red card fiasco um when you had the red card and then you have players like tackling the ref which i thought was bananas but so i did not catch any of the game i did see that fiasco happen and that was whack um but yeah didn't have any thoughts on it just new england riding high, which is interesting, and I think maybe we'll carry over soon. We'll talk more about that, but didn't catch any of it. The red car was pretty wild, though. That was a fun
1: interaction. Holy... Yeah, I... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, holy, that was a brutal challenge. And the fact <laughs> that they were trying to defend studs up to the back of the calf, the fact that they weren't down, like Orlando weren't down to eight men after that was shocking. Uh, but Drew...
0: I think my biggest takeaway... Is that, did the ref give any yellow cards to the players that were, like, not touching him, but, like, did he give yellow cards to them? Because that was a pretty big, like, I think it was Nani and Junior Urso were, like, up in the ref's grills, like, yo, can't do
2: that. Nani got one, but Junior, okay, Junior Urso didn't get one until, like, way, way later after that. It was, like, 15 minutes later in the game, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I watched this game while I was watching football, so I didn't catch... Every second of it. I wasn't following along closely, but again, we talked about it earlier. But New England's got the, the players. I mean, Carlos Heal, PK in assist, Gustavo Bow with two goals. Those two are dangerous guys. And Connor, you mentioned it, but they weren't really around in the regular season. You know, both of them were injured for very large stretches of the season. Um, and on top of all the stoppages in the league because of coronavirus. So for them to finally get all these guys back, I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, Matt Turner, too, got a Got to throw him out there. He stopped a Anani PK, yep. which would have equalized. So big from that. Also, Nani sucks at PKs. He is now up there with Maxi Morales. I think they're both five for ten in their MLS careers in PKs. So whoever's teammates with those dudes, they need to just hold them back and be like, no, 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 no. Like, just come, come, stand over here, away from the penalty spot. Um, and then, yeah, Pereira's red card was just, dude. What, what is it, man? Nate. Orlando, Three red cards in the last two games. Granted, Gaiaces was a second yellow, and it was kind of ticky-tacky at the end of the day. But but Ruan should have gotten a straight red last week, but he didn't. He ended up getting two straight reds. And then now Pereira with the straight red. Nani probably should have gotten a red. I mean, Pereira – Pereja, sorry, Oscar Pereja has done a great job of turning around the culture, but he needs to be a little careful, I think. He's getting a lot of passion out of his players, which obviously is good and it's turned the team around, but at some point it's gotta stop resulting in red cards. He's gotta do something about that because they can't be out here like letting down their team like that.
1: Yeah. That that was a, quite the challenge. And the fact that Eddie oh, was so
2: bad. It was <laughs> just so bad.
1: The fact that anyone would even try to defend it was just shocking. Like it was so like it was halfway up his calf. It was that bad
2: <laughs> he was no, he was not even close to the ball. He was like a good six inches away from the ball.
1: It was so so bad, um, but this was a match that I watched fully, and I can confidently say that <laughs> New England played better um, probably not hard to figure that out based on the score line uh, but yeah, like I don't Matt Turner was very good. Uh, really good penalty stop i thought nani was historically good at penalties but maybe not maybe mls is just voodoo in terms of that stuff but someone pointed
2: out that back in 2008 nani was converting penalties to help man U win a champions league title yes and that was months before matt turner even started playing soccer so for their fates to intertwine now in the MLS Cup playoffs to where Matt Turner is stopping a non-EPK is just, it's funny, man. Soccer's a funny game.
1: It is. It's, it's a beautiful game, except for when you slide tackle a guy to midway up his calf six inches off the ball. Um, but let's move on to the next game and our final recap, uh, because we're an hour and three minutes in. Um, Columbus versus Nashville. Uh, Columbus won pretty outright. Um, I'd say they dominated for most of the match. Uh, It took extra time because Nashville are so good at just holding a structure and sitting deep that it's really tough for teams to break down. But what did you guys sort of think about this match and Columbus's and Nashville's performances?
0: I was so mad when I watched this game. Like, I was totally pulling for Nashville, um, which is weird because I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to not like Nashville because the, the rivalry had Josh's is there in a quotes. Um, but I can't help it. I kind of pull for Nashville. But as that game went on, you mentioned it, Connor, like Columbus was pretty dominant on the front foot most of the game. And I was like, this is playing right into Nashville's hands. Nashville can do this all game and they'll get you on a break um, and they'll win one-nothing. Like, that's how they do it. That's how they win games. And then when he got extra time, I was like, okay, we've done this before. Like, they can do it. Let's go. And then it just broke. Like, they can't last forever. Um, Columbus, really good team, right? One of the best teams in the league. But Nashville, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is just how good of a season Nashville had. And excited for the future. um, They held on for a while, held on. Because I remember a couple episodes ago, the conversation we were having was, is Nashville going to make the playoffs? And then here they are, they beat Toronto and gave Columbus all they could add, forced them into extra time. So exciting time for Nashville, excited to see what they do next season. But for this game, I just, as it kept going on, as Nashville kept hanging on, kept hanging on, I was like, this is is how they play. This is how they win games. So disappointed to see their season end. I'm excited to see what they can do in the future and excited to see what Columbus, but disappointing for sure to see Nashville not be able to keep this magical run going on. Josh, what did you think about the game?
2: Yeah, I I think it was a little more even than you did, Connor. Uh, Columbus, I think, created some better chances. Like, Nashville created much better chances against Toronto. They weren't nearly as dangerous in this game. But I think it was a little more even-matched than you thought. But, yeah, I mean, just props to Nashville for a great season. I would put them third in terms of best expansion teams of all time behind the 98 Fire and the 2009 Seattle Sounders. And honestly, the thing that I'm most impressed by with Nashville is their ability to create an identity and then play to that identity and play to the strengths that they have as a team. And you can just really tell that they're a hardworking team. They play for Gary Smith. You can tell they enjoy playing for him. And uh, it was really fun to see that come alive in the playoffs. It's definitely when they started riding high. I'm interested to see how they can keep it up for a whole season. I'm not entirely sure if it's a template that... You know, I I guess you could, with the league taking so many playoff teams each year, because they would have made the playoffs regardless if it was a, a quote, normal season with seven teams going in. I mean, maybe this is what you do if you're in Nashville. You make you make smart purchases. You, you play money ball, as it's called. You claw your way into the playoffs, and once you get there, you sit back and counter, and you take your chances and frustrate the other team. I mean, I, it's super impressive. that it, it took until the 90th minute or the 99th minute of this game for them to allow a goal in the entire playoffs. They didn't concede against Miami. They didn't concede against Toronto. And it took a very long time for Columbus to break through. So, and then on the other side of it, uh, props to Columbus. They hardly got to practice this week because they were dealing with a small COVID outbreak. Uh, Seven players, I think ended up missing. Luckily for them, really, Eloy room was the only penciled in starter That they were missing, in which case Andrew Tarbell did a good job of filling in for him. So congrats to Columbus, and now they're going to get to play host the Eastern Conference Final, which is big for them, especially in uh, Caleb Porter's second season. So good job for them for just hanging tough and finally breaking through. And uh, props to Nashville for a good expansion season.
1: Yeah, and before we talk about that Eastern Conference Final, we should talk about the upcoming Western Conference games, uh, specifically the game As we're recording this tomorrow night, as you're listening to this, probably three to four days ago, um, Seattle versus FC Dallas. They're playing at 930. Uh, So we will do another preview so you can see how wrong we will be like last week. Uh, But what do you guys think is going to happen between Seattle and FC Dallas? Will we see another Toronto Nashville situation or will this just be an absolute Seattle massacre?
2: Uh, personally, I think Seattle just has too much talent for Dallas. Just like Philadelphia, I think Dallas is a good team. They have a good collection of players, but they don't have any individual players that can really make a huge difference. And if we're being honest, they kind of barely got past Portland. And Dallas or uh, Seattle is not the same team as Portland. So I, I just think that Seattle is going to be too much for them. That being said, I wouldn't really be surprised if Dallas won. Not because this is MLS or anything, but because they've been through it. They went through it last year, when, and they, they pushed Seattle all the way to the end in that opening playoff game. Uh, Seattle won that 4-3 an extra time. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas won, but I just don't see how Seattle won't win this.
1: All right. Drew, what are your thoughts on the match?
2: Um, this is
0: a pretty weird one because I actually picked Dallas in my bracket I don't know why, and as I watched Seattle beat LAFC, I was like, "Well, my bracket's <laughs> done. There's no way." So, but like it's MLS, man. Like again, like Josh said, there if Dallas could win, you'd be like, "All right, whatever." Like this is normal, right? <laughs> but Seattle just has those playmakers, those um, players that win you these type of games. So I guess the direction I'm going to go in is that there is absolutely no reason Dallas should win this game. Seattle is the better team, and credit to Dallas. Again, like Josh said, Dallas is a good team, um, given all the stuff they've gone through, like Nashville missing, MLS is back. But there's no reason Dallas should win this game. That being said, Dallas is going to win. I Just to throw a curveball in there, um, freezing cold takes me. but And I think if Dallas wins, I like to take a lead in our bracket group. So I'm going to say Dallas wins just because it's MLS. But, again, Seattle has those playmakers. Um Maybe they have an off night. These one-off playoff games are wild. So I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to say Dallas wins, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be a little different. Maybe they can squeak by like they did against Portland, maybe take it to penalty kicks, um, get a late equalizer or something. But it's going to be hard, but I'll say Dallas wins just because that's how, that's how these playoffs have been going.
1: All right. And I think Seattle will absolutely kill Dallas because Seattle are a good team and – don't change ever and always win in the playoffs. But now that I've said that, FC Dallas will win and it'll break everybody's brackets. That's what we
0: said about Toronto.
2: We did say that. It's just so its so easy to just talk these games in circles, man. Like you, you try to reverse psychology yourself and then like you do it again and you could do it again and it's just like endless until the game happens and then there's an outcome.
1: <laughs> very, very true. Now let's move on to a game that's probably going to be a little bit closer between Sporting KC and Minnesota. Uh, do we really have to talk about who the underdog here is? Because this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like,
2: I love it. It's so stupid.
1: <laughs> Peter Vermees, who is the head coach of the uh, Sporting KC, is claiming somehow...
2: First place sporting KC. First
1: place sporting KC that they are the underdog against Adrian <laughs> Heat's Minnesota United. Uh, Josh, you threw in the Among Us reference saying who's the imposter. And I simply want to say SKC is sus. Um, because how anyone could possibly <laughs> argue that <laughs> SKC would not be the favorites in this game, I don't understand. But maybe, Drew, you like to go. Out of nowhere. So, do you have Minnesota winning this game? Oh, my oh, God. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, because, like, my heart, because, like, there's no way it's going to be a one and two seed in the Western Conference finals, given if Seattle wins. Um, but Sporting Kansas City, I mean, San Jose pushed them to the limits there. So, if San Jose can do it, like, what Minnesota can do it. Um, I am getting tired, though, of everyone assuming I don't, it's Adrian Heath, this continued Minnesota United underdog mentality that I think he just naturally carries with Minnesota United. Because this is a team that went to the Open Cup final 2019 when they lost to Atlanta United. And then following that Open Cup run in the playoffs, again, this Minnesota United, no one's buying into us. Which I think by this point, everyone knows that Minnesota United is a good team. Whether or not they win MLS Cup, I think they're not there yet. But this whole attitude of, I think Alex- Alexi Law has said it a lot, like no one wants to be top dog in MLS. It's just a big It's just 26 teams trying to see who's the biggest underdog here. Um, But Minnesota United can 1,000% pull this out. Again, if San Jose can push SKC that, then Minnesota can for sure get the win. So I'm picking Minnesota. As someone who has
1: supported a team who is naturally the underdog and the Toronto Raptors always, it is so much fun to be that team so I can understand why they're doing this. But Josh, what are your sort of thoughts on (laughs) who the imposter is? And whatever's gonna happen in this SKC Minnesota game.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned though, like it's fun being the underdog, because that's definitely been Adrian Heath's shtick, like ever since they started getting like good players about a year and a half ago. And it worked at first, like from an objective standpoint, like, yeah, you know what, like people have never really picked you. You know, you you've never really been a good team. And then things started to change like last summer. And then it's like, okay, like you're good now, like you can slow down, but he clearly doesn't want to change the narrative, and he's probably doing that to motivate his players, which all power to him. Like go for it. I do think Peter Vermees was kind of poking fun at him by saying that. I don't really think that Peter Vermees thinks that they're the underdog. I think he's just poking poking fun at Adrian. He's kind of making fun of him a little bit, which is if that's what it is, then that's even funnier than in the first place. So I would say that in this case, Sporting Kansas City are the are the imposters. They're not the underdog. That being said, I'm definitely picking Minnesota in this one. Like Drew said, San Jose pushed Sporting Kansas. You, hey, well, you know I've not been high on Sporting Kansas City whatsoever this year. I don't know how they got in the first. I don't know why they're in the playoffs. I don't know how they got here. That being said, they will have Alan Pulido, mm-hmm. And I think that's going to make a difference, but... Just like Nashville built their teams to be good in a knockout, formula, uh, knockout format, Minnesota is the same way. They're really good at just sitting back and absorbing pressure and then hitting out on the counter. And when you've got players like Kevin Molino, who's doing really good right now, he's in good form, and you've got a guy like um, Bebelo Reynoso, who is really good at pulling those strings, and you've got, you know, Bulldogs like Ozzie Alonso and Hassani Dotson who can sit back and take that pressure and then get out on the counter, then yeah, I can definitely see Minnesota beating Sporting Kansas City that being said I don't think Minnesota has ever beaten Sporting Kansas City which means they're definitely going to win this game so yes this is really random but I heard someone refer to this as the nicest rivalry in sports is that a thing that's some people call it that I never understood it it's because they're from the Midwest I guess it's stupid it's not good there's no rivalry whatsoever this is like calling Nashville and Atlanta a rivalry there's, there's nothing there yet
0: Maybe this game could spark it, though. That would be exciting. Maybe some sparks with
2: Flair. in an empty stadium. But but it's the nicest rivalry, so wouldn't it be off-brand for them to, like, all of a sudden <laughs> no! just have shaking passion. hands after, <laughs> <That's> like, just... losing. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm pissed. That's Canada's thing. What right? are the I nice mean, ones.
0: But that's the thing. Isn't, like, min- the joke, like, Minnesota's, like, canada light version or something like that? So I feel like this is kind of just they for are. Kansas City, man. Like, I-, I heard that, and I was like, this is weird. But <laughs> glad to know I'm not insane. Yeah, I definitely but... did hear that
2: mlssoccer.com has been pushing the nicest rivalry yeah the nicest rivalry in mls like i've i started noticing it last year they they do match these teams up for rivalry week just like they match up so Vancouver and san jose it, exactly it's weird it's it i mean this is what happens when you have too many teams in the league like you try to you try to put square pieces and round pegs like just how it is or square pegs and round holes That just doesn't work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. All right. Let's move on to... Wait, one more
2: thing. One more thing about this. It got moved to Thursday night on Fox in place of Thursday night football because of all the NFL's many COVID tests and um, rescheduling of games. So that's kind of cool. Hopefully it does bring in some eyes. That that would be be pretty good. It does now leave uh, the winner of this game with one day less rest than originally planned. But if this gets more people following MLS, then I think that's a sacrifice that we're all okay with. And they picked the two most
1: exciting teams to do it with. Um, hey, man,
2: nicest rivalry in MLS. What better rivalry to showcase than a rivalry that most of this
1: podcast didn't know existed until tonight? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know that existed. But let's wrap up our previews. That are... This one will actually preview because this podcast should be up before Sunday, barring... An, unforeseen disaster but columbus versus new england who do you think will take this match is it going to be the covet hot zone in columbus or is will it be the undermanned or underappreciated by josh new england revolution
2: it's got to be new england i gotta go with new england at this point wow. like I'm a believer now I'm a believer now they, they've they've played so well over these first three games you know like why how can you pick against them I I don't know Columbus is the better team and they should win which is why I guess it's going to be New England again I could just talk myself in circles on this
1: <laughs> all right Drew who are you going with
0: I think I'm gonna side with Josh I think I'm picking New England just because they've been on a really good run right end. I, I'm mad at Columbus because I was excited for a New England-Nashville, like a play-in game matchup in the Eastern Conference Final. But, nonetheless, we did not get that. But, yeah, New England's been on this nice run. Um, Bo and Heal, maybe Buxo will show up like they have been lately. Um, Columbus, I mean, they have – maybe maybe Zardes will take another goal off the face off the crossbar or something like that. That would be on brand. So, I, I'm really excited <laughs> about this game. Uh, two really good teams and I'm picking New England. I think – out of if I had to watch one game out of these group, this is the one I'm watching because I really don't know where it's gonna go, but I'm leaning more toward New England.
1: All right, and I will pick. I'll pick Columbus just to be different, uh, and because I think Pedro Santos is very good, and I think Jesse Zardes is very good, and even though they're going to be missing, likely missing Eloy Room. I still think Columbus will pull this out, but it's going to be a very tight match. I think this will be one of, barring SKC going through against Seattle, I think this will be the best game this week. Uh, But let's move on to our second final segment because we still have to do our bracket updates. But goals of the week. Josh, what did you pick for your goal of the week?
2: I picked Gustavo Bowes' second goal against orlando it's a very strikery goal uh carlos heel played a perfectly weighted pass Bo ran onto it and then he poked it right between brian Rose's legs for a very nicely nicely worked goal so it was just fun to watch that especially as someone who has scored a goal like that before where you just five spot the keeper it's super satisfying so it was fun to uh watch it happen what about you drew i picked junior
0: urso's goal the only goal orlando scored just because there wasn't a whole lot to choose from Right, you had some penalties here and there. Um, and there were any stunners, but that goal against New England was like the most FIFA goal ever. Like Josh scores goals actually playing soccer. I score these type of goals playing my old FIFA video games in between classes. But it was just this like massive crapshoot in the box, and the ball fell to him, and it almost I think a New England player like it hit his foot, like took a deflection, but found the back of the net. So there were like a whole lot of stunning goals to choose from this week, but that goal just screamed. FIFA 19 glitching online, so I went with that one. Uh, Connor, who did you pick for your goal of the week?
1: I went with the Pedro Santos goal, not because his shot was amazing, but because the I thought the buildup was really, really nice. Uh, that first ball, I can't remember who played it, but down the line was really, really nice, and then the Zardes cutback was also really clean. So I went with that, but as you mentioned, there weren't very many options, unlike last week's podcast where there were an overabundance but players of the week we should wrap up with I will go first because I just mentioned one of the players who is my player of the week and I went with Jesse Zardes because I believe yeah he did get in this, he got a golden assist in the match against Nashville uh, he looked absolutely exhausted at the end of that match so simply for the fact that he put it all out there uh, I really respect so I went with him, but Drew, who did you pick? We'll change it up a little.
0: I went with Gustavo Bo got two goals against Orlando. He's been riding high in the playoffs, and he kept it going against Orlando City, and I think he'll keep riding high against Columbus. We had two goals against Orlando. That got him my
2: player of the week. Um, Josh, who did you pick for your player of the week? Yeah, I went with kind of an unsung guy, but I went with Brian Nunga from nashville he was the other defensive midfielder alongside dax mccarty he filled in for on a ball gold godoy who was injured going into the international break right before the playoffs was fit enough to play against miami and then picked up an injury at the end of that game and i'm you know people were concerned because godoy and mccarty's partnership was so huge just a big part of why nashville was so Solid defensively this year, and so for Anunga, a 24-year-old player who played in the USL Championship last year, for him to step in and just seamlessly take over Godoy's spot in the midfield was super impressive to me. And he was a big part of why they were able to beat Nashville, and a big part of why they they hung so tough against Columbus. They didn't concede a goal with Anunga on the field. I'm just saying they took him off, and that's when Nashville uh, ended up conceding those goals to Columbus. So. I'm with Brian Inunga for my player of the week, and I do think he's going to be a player to watch for the next couple of years.
1: All right, and let's wrap up this podcast as we're pushing towards 85 minutes uh, with our bracket update. So currently in all of the MLS brackets created, there is one perfect bracket. Bobby, whose username is Celia52. Uh, so he's the only perfect bracket left out of every bracket made which was over 15,000 of them so shout out him but in our own pool Nathan Reynolds uh, who is the former site head for MLS Multiplex uh, he is currently leading the way with 75 points Ivan and Saul are coming in second with 65 each Uh, Matt and Ryan uh, are coming in third with or actually they're separate wow matt is coming in fourth with 55 points and ryan is coming in fifth with 50 and then we're all tied we're all tied in sixth uh, with 40 points apiece. so these upcoming games are going to be pretty huge for our bracket in terms of where we, each of us finish uh but not me i'm done you're done nope
2: I have no more players. I have no more teams left. All my, my no final way. four are out. No way. Yeah.
1: Who did you pick?
2: I, pick? I picked San Jose, Portland, Toronto,
1: Orlando. You still have Seattle. Oh, no, you lost. Wow, you are done. Wow. I told you. Ouch. And It's whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> um.
2: I stopped caring after San Jose lost Sporting Kansas City
1: all right well drew you're still in it uh because fc dallas could still technically go through <laughs> um, i swear if you get this one right too just like the Nashville one i think that might be a stretch uh and i'm still it. i still have actually i have one team left i have two teams left i have seattle and i have skc still remaining who can go through to my final four uh so we'll see whether or not that will happen and how far we can all go but Drew, unless Josh or either of you have anything you want to add, we shall wrap up this podcast. So, Drew, why don't you take us
0: out? Yeah, thanks again so much, as usual, guys, for listening. Um, again, yeah, please visit MLSMultiplex.com to keep up with a lot of awesome written content um, throughout the playoffs and into the offseason. Our writers are cranking out really awesome stuff as the season begins to wind down. um, So visit the website, mlsmultiplex.com. Visit the website on Twitter, at MLS Multiplex. And you can find us three guys on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Bolin, and Connor at CWG Somerville. Um, so be sure to give us a follow, hear all of our takes as games are happening. um, And, yeah, be sure to leave reviews um, at this podcast. We love hearing from you guys. hell love hearing what we can do better, what we can improve on, So please be sure to leave a review. Um, Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch up with you all next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at mlsmultiplex.com.